Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up. And yes, as you heard, that was the sound of a crow calling, cackling. I don't know what they call it. But the reason you're hearing that is because it does look like I'm finally going to shove that crow sando right down my throat. I'm going to eat the crow. Bayern Munich, as of now, according to the latest news, looks like they have wrapped up the signing of Harry Kane. I'm recording this on a Thursday night. I really meant to record this earlier in the day, but it was so nutty with the Harry Kane news that we could not do it. Ideally, I wanted to have someone on with me. But because we're in varying geographies, we could not sync up because this thing just drug on all day. And I'm sitting here. I'm a little exasperated. I'm a lot tired. But in the end, this was quite the wild ride. So let's just recap how things worked out today and, and how this whole day started. Because I was asleep when things really got in motion. I woke up. I had an early dentist appointment today at 7 a.m. So I was getting out the door at 6.30 either way. But when I woke up, I saw that in the BFW Slack channel, we had a lot of movement. There was a lot of discussion. The initial reports had come out that Byron was going to sign Harry Kane today. Our our team was working on it. They got the posts out. And when I left for the dentist, I was kind of shocked because I was like, wow, this is really happening. After all these weeks of me hemming and hawing and say, I couldn't believe an Englishman in his prime would move to Germany. It was finally happening. By the time I got home from my very successful dentist appointment, everything had started to change. We had started to hear about doubt in the process, that there was some hesitation, that maybe Harry Kane was having second thoughts. And at that point, I started to think to myself, oh, no, maybe I was right this whole time. Maybe he really can't pull the trigger and make the move because he's too ingrained in England. He is on the national team right now. He has Alan Shearer's Premier League scoring record in his sights. I mean, he has been the face of Tottenham Hotspur all these years. But. He's missing something. There's got to be a void within him that whatever hesitation he had, and and we'll talk about why he was hesitating in a second, whatever might have been there that might cause that hesitation, if you were looking looking at the situation from the outside, you would think that maybe it was that that won things over and eventually helped push Kane over the line to make the decision. What we did kind of find out is that it really had nothing to do with ambition or comfort, it had to do with money. And not necessarily money that Kane himself would get. Uh, In a way, I guess he was getting some because it looks like he'll be off the hook for this. But according to certain reports out there, and listen, there are a lot out there right now. There are many, many out there describing why things kind of got hung up in the middle of the day. But what we do know is there was some issue with fees and it was described as agent fees. And if you don't know anything about this process, Kane's brother, Charlie, and his father, Pat, were in charge of this transfer deal. So what you could theorize, and I'm not saying this is correct or it's even right, but I'm saying if you were theorizing what might have been happening is Kane didn't want to pay the agent fees associated with this deal. So who does that fall on? Does it fall on Tottenham, who's trying to push this over the line so they can get paid? Does it fall on Bayern Munich, who's going to pay Kane's new deal? 
Well, I think what we're finding out is it's probably going to be Bayern Munich. Harry Kane will be off the hook for paying his dad and his brother, and Tottenham will collect all of that money from Bayern Munich. Again, that's all in theory right now. But what we do know for sure was that there is some hesitation. But as of now, Kane has gotten past it. There are conflicting reports out there. Some indicate that Kane has already gotten permission to fly to Germany to do his medical. There are others saying that he is waiting for that permission. What I think we could theorize, again, I'm putting on the tinfoil hat here because we're working in real time, is that Kane will probably get the okay to fly to Germany at some point on Friday and that if a deal is struck and all the paperwork is done, the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted, I think Bayern Munich fans could see a presentation of Kane at the AFL Super Cup. I think that would be uh, just about the best thing Bayern could hope for with this whole process extending as long as it did. What we do know is that Kane really wanted this whole thing done no later than the 13th. And this being the 10th, the, the clock really was ticking. And now that we're at this point and Kane is on his way and we went through this entire day of ups and downs and roller coaster rides, loop-de-loops, whatever you want to say, we can now sit back and think about how this whole thing happened and how we all felt as this process went on. We spent so much time on this show alone debating whether the move was real. I know I was one that never thought this could happen. I never thought Harry Kane would want to leave England. And there was, Samarin was right there with me. We, if we had a tandem bike available, we would have been riding that bike together because it's not that we don't like Harry Kane. It's not that we didn't think Bayern Munich could go out and pull the trigger on a big deal like this. I just think we we thought, and the people that had the same mindset we did, is it's very hard to convince an Englishman to leave the island in his prime. And what we're seeing now is that if Kane will do that, we really might start to see that barrier broken. It will no longer be one-way traffic leaving Germany for England. Maybe, just maybe, you could start to see some of the English talent find its way over to Germany but I think a lot of that is going to depend on what Kane achieves with Bayern Munich, how successful he is, and how deep of a run the Bavarians are going to be able to make in the Champions League. Because in the end, this move for Kane will accomplish him a couple of things. He will win a Bundesliga at some point in his contract. That much I can guarantee. I think it'll be this year because I think the Bundesliga is going to be down a little bit. But I think Kane will get that trophy this year. He'll probably win a day at Bay Pokal, although Bayern has been susceptible in that competition of late. I think he'll be able to get one there. The Champions League, that's where it gets complicated. And it mostly gets complicated because of the financial playing field that is out there. Now, if this move goes through with Kane, I would say that Bayern Munich is among three teams that have a legitimate possibility, possibility at this point of winning a Champions League. Manchester City, of course, they just keep restocking their roster. They are an absolute mega power. I cannot see how even a, a Harry Kane-fueled Bayern Munich team can stop Man City, but they'll have a chance. Man City is just a juggernaut in and of itself. Pep Guardiola would be dumb to leave that place. He's got all the financial backing in the world. They are getting the most talented players in the world. They're a machine. The second team I would say would fall into that mix is Real Madrid. Again, you've got a lot of veteran experience there mixed with young talent. I think they've got good depth. 
think they've just got this winning mentality that has carried them through the years. And then you've got Bayern Munich. So you've got those three clubs that are all now, if this Kane move goes through, the upper echelon, the top tier of clubs that will compete. And I know that will probably make some Arsenal fans mad. It might make some PSG fans mad, certainly some Barca fans mad. I'm just saying what I'm feeling right now, and that is that there are three teams there. Now, Barca could climb into that. They've got their own issues to work through. I think they're still having some player registration issues. We'll see how that all plays out. But when you look at it, the move for Harry Kane does push Bayern Munich up into that top level that it would not have gotten to without Kane. Now, how does Kane fit? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? He is the number nine. He is the striker. He will get all of that action. He will get all of the service from the wings. He will have Thomas Muller and Jamal Musiala working with him, creating offense for him. Kane is going to have to do what he does best, and that's finish. And if he can go in and he can be an effective and efficient finisher, this is going to be a really dominant Bayern Munich attack. Now, there are some questions and certainly none revolve around Kane at this point. I mean, the only thing you could probably question about Kane is how does he mesh? How does he fit working under Thomas Tuchel? How does that all look? But what I think is more important than how Kane will fit is who they fit around him. With Sadio Mane out of the mix, I think you do have three wings that are really capable of creating offense from the outside in. When you have Serge Gnabry and you have Leroy Sané and Kingsley Coman, they're disruptive with their speed. They've each got a nose for the goal, which means that they're going to require attention from the defense. That's going to take it away from Harry Kane, putting him in much better positions. You could also mix in a young player, an enigma like Matisse Tell, who has shown that he's got so much potential, but we don't know where it all can go from here. We know that he is a phenom. We know that he's going to be able to make that transition to wing if he wants to. But how does he fit? Can he get enough time to be effective? We'll see. You could also slide Jamal Musiala, Musiala out to the wing where we know he has been great. At times, he's been the best winger on this team. I think in the end, I think it would be even better for this particular group of Bavarians if Musiala did see more time on the wing. But either way, you've got all that talent at the wing. When you look at the attacking midfielders that will be working behind him, if Bayern sticks to this 4-2-3-1 that it seems like Tuchel wants to play, you'll either have Thomas Muller or Jamal Musiala working that area. And, and for me, this team, this current group of players, has always worked better with Muller and Musiala together. So if it's a 4-2-3-1, you might not see that often unless Musiala plays wing. We know that Tuchel is going to work on some things to ensure that Muller is getting the requisite amount of field time because one, he still deserves it. And two, he does have a positive impact on the team. That said, it does push Musiala out of that spot. Now you could really argue that over the course of that long season last year, that Muller was the better 10 over Musiala. We know that Musiala had a bad slump in the second half. They're definitely appeared to be some carryover that affected him from the World Cup, both physically and mentally. Playing him on the outside, I think, would alleviate some of the issues that he had. So we'll see how Tuchel reacts to that, what he does with that. But we do know that he is at least open to it at this stage. So you've got a lot of options around Kane. 
who's going to work best around him, who's going to be able to help showcase Kane the best. I think there are plenty of options. I think this is a really good spot for Kane to be in. There really, there really isn't much that you can say Kane can't do at this stage. Now, he is getting toward the older end of his career at the age of 30, but in my mind, he's still got four to five years of really top-level play left. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the 27-year-old or the 26-year-old Harry Kane, but I think over the next three to four years, and it looks like he might have a four-year deal here with Bayern Munich, we're not going to see a significant drop-off. If anything, like any player that's aging, you will see it maybe losing a step here or there. But Kane's game was never fully predicated on speed or anything like that. It's about his positioning, his nose for the goal, his creativity within the box. Those are things that Bayern Munich's going to have to work to showcase with Kane. I think Tuchel has an idea of what he wants to do. I think he has an idea of who he wants to play around Kane. Now the pressure all of a sudden goes from the executives who were working so hard to get Kane here and to fill that void of nine over to Tuchel. Now Tuchel, I don't know necessarily that this is a bad thing for Tuchel, of course, because he's getting one of the best strikers in the world, but it really is leaving him no room for error. If this team gets off to a slow start, after Bayern Munich is dumping over nine figures into Harry Kane, I think there will be a very short leash. Now, it sounds weird to say that because you would think that the bosses will give him time to make this work, to make it gel. But I don't know if they have time or patience for that at this point. What we do know about Tuchel is that over the course of his time at Bayern Munich already, it didn't seem to really mesh under him. It didn't feel like the team was fully in sync or on the same page at the end of last season. In my mind, there really wasn't this huge bump in performance from what we saw under Julian Nagelsmann. And you could look at that a couple of ways. You could say, well, this is a damaged player group that was operating without a number nine. And without that central figure, without that one focal point of the attack, the team just couldn't be consistent enough offensively. And you'd have a valid point there, 100%. Or you could look at it and say, Tuchel is not the coach that could get the best out of this group. And I think what we're going to see emerge now that Kane is in tow, or at least we hope he's in tow, is that you're going to see these factions emerge in the Bayern Munich fan base. It's going to be a pro-Tuchel camp, and I don't want to say an anti-Tuchel camp, but at least a group of people that are going to be looking at Tuchel if things don't look great right off the bat. Where that goes, I don't know, because people are already on edge about Tuchel. People were on edge about this Kane pursuit, but now that it's all coming together, it does put the onus on Tuchel to make it work. And the Bayern bosses have, they have done what they set out to do. Did they fail on Declan Rice? Yes, they did. And people will say, well, that wasn't realistic anyway. I was one of the people that said it wasn't realistic. Right. It wasn't. Declan Rice was never making that jump to Bayern Munich, but Bayern did make the effort to go out and get him. They spent the time. They spent resources. They tried to make it happen. Didn't work. Ditto for Kyle Walker. Bayern wanted Kyle Walker. Walker looked like, according to some reports, he had agreed to a deal with Bayern. Then 
Man City went into stall mode. And the longer they stalled, the harder it became for Walker to leave. And honestly, that's what I thought was going to happen with Harry Kane because we had started to see this process drag. And once that started to happen, I started to think, man, if this gets to the 13th, if this gets to the date where Tottenham opens up and that, that Kane does not want to make a move after Tottenham starts their season, that's all they needed to do. But I think in the end, what we learned is that for all the posturing that, that Tottenham Hotspur did through their chairman, Daniel Levy, I think they finally got it through their heads that Kane was leaving. And it just became a very simple question. Do you want to get something for Harry Kane now? Or do you want to let him leave next year in 2024 for nothing? And you could make a case financially that maybe having Harry Kane would be worth nine figures to Tottenham Hotspur in, in different ways through different revenue generating streams. I don't know if it would have gotten that high, but I don't think Levy and his, his other board members at Tottenham wanted to take that chance. So they, they took the nine figure deal. At least that's what we're assuming they did. So with that, it leaves both clubs going in completely different directions. Tottenham I mean, there that is going to be a situation that could go really poorly, really quickly if they can't get it together. I can't imagine the emotional decline that's going to happen when you lose a player so associated with a club like Harry Kane, there is going to be an effect. And I think that definitely played a role in what Tottenham was thinking and, and trying to retain Kane. It's going to affect those players. It's going to affect the new coaching staff there. It's a very tough way to start a season. I can imagine that Tottenham fans are going to be irate about how this played out. I mean, of course, if you were reading BFW today, you probably saw some Tottenham fans checking in. And, and there was a lot of back and forth because at, at the times where it looked like Kane was having second thoughts, I mean, it was legitimate. I mean, I could see why he would be having those. And I think some Tottenham fans, much like Bayern fans were with Robert Lewandowski, were thinking, there's no way he's leaving. He's just not going to leave. He's too ingrained into the club. But just like Lewandowski, Kane ultimately had to do what was best for him, and that is leave. So now we are stuck in this spot with just a few days, really, before the season starts where Kane's going to have to come in. He's going to have to get integrated into the team. Shouldn't be that hard. Tuchel, of course, will now be in the crosshairs of everyone. And Bayern Munich will still actually have a couple of things that they're working on throughout the rest of the window. I, what I want to know from you and what I really want you know, from this podcast is for you to put your comments down. I want you to hit me on social media. I want you to let me know what you're feeling about it because I'll be honest, I am exhausted. This was a crazy day. This was absolutely one of the more wild rides we've had at BFW in recent years. But the whole process, the last few weeks, the last few months, trying to stay on top of this story from top to bottom. I know some people are like in the mindset where they think like, you know, you guys are writing too much about it. It's all Kane, Kane, Kane. But when you're in this spot, and you're in a situation where this story is evolving, we're just trying to be there with you. We're not trying to be the people feeding you the news. We're trying to be part of the whole experience with you because we're not out there covering the team in the locker rooms. We're following the German media. We're following, following the English media. And we're trying to give you what they're saying 
sometimes with our spin on it, sometimes not, depending on what the situation is. Like we will give you an analysis on some things. Other times it's just straight news. But today we just tried to keep up with the flow of information. And with that, I think we all went on this ride together and it was crazy and there were some disagreements and then people were happy, people were mad. I can't even tell you the range of emotions that everyone felt. But now it's all over. At least we hope it is. And Kane is allegedly on his way to Byron. He's going to get this medical done and barring anything crazy happening with that, he'll be working his way into the lineup. Of course, as soon as possible, I'm sure. And this represents a new era for Bayern Munich. I don't think it's going to be a long era. I think this is a move that will probably be two or three years. I think he's going to give it a run. I, I don't think this is a long-term solution by any means. I think he's going to give it two to three years. And I think he's heading right back to England to break that scoring record. But he's going to he's going to try. And I think for a couple of reasons, Kane deserves some credit here. Of course, it's easy to say someone deserves credit when they're accepting a huge contract, I'm sure. But he does deserve some credit because he is pushing himself out of his comfort zone. It's not easy to move to a new country. It's not easy to move to a new city and start your professional, restart your professional life. He's moving his family to a new country. He's going to have to settle there. His wife, I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't follow the tabloids. There were some reports that she's pregnant and that he's expecting a new kid. And maybe that was one of the issues with making the move and why he was hesitant. I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Kane's personal life to know if his wife is pregnant or not, nor do I really care. But if he's going to make the move to Bayern Munich, he's going to move to Germany and it's a big family changing thing. And for him to do that, he you have to be brave and you can say what you want about the money. And you can say that anybody would make that move for that kind of money, but they wouldn't. And he didn't have to. If he, it was just about money for him, he could have gotten it for, from Tottenham. He could have said, give me a raise. I'll sign for another year or two. Give me the raise that I want. And, and he could have got it. There's no doubt in my mind. But he did. And I think that that shows for as much as Kane's mentality was questioned. And believe me, it was questioned for weeks now. As much as people went after him about that, he's doing one of the more brave things you can do. He already had the rep as someone that didn't wasn't necessarily driven by team success, someone that was more about individual records and things like that. But he's throwing that all out. But true or not, it didn't matter. He's throwing it away. He's going to Bayern Munich for one reason, and that's to win trophies. He's going to try and win the Champions League. And I'm sure in his mind, a Bundesliga title is nice, would be nice. A DFB Pokal would be nice. But I think what he really wants is that Champions League. And ultimately, isn't that what all of you want to? So I couldn't be at this stage more surprised or even happier about the situation because I didn't think it was possible. I thought best case scenario for this transfer window was Dusan Vlahovic from Juventus. I thought that would be the man the whole time. I just thought things were playing out in a manner that would have Kane stay. And then he would play out another season with Tottenham and either re-up with them or move on to another team in the Premier League. But he didn't. He chose Bayern Munich. And that's a, a great thing for Bayern. It is a excellent thing for the Bundesliga. It's great. Any For any fan of German football, this is a huge, massive deal. 
And I know people are going to smash Byron. They're going to go after them. Anyone that's not a Byron fan is going to crush them. But this is big <laughs> in so many ways. They've got one of the top players in the world. They've got the best available number nine to help lead the attack. It's monumental. And I keep thinking about some of the conversations I've had with Samron over the past few weeks. Because like I said, we were two people completely riding in tandem thinking, no way this is happening. You know, and listen, I'll be honest. I probably bought into the Kane mentality thing a little bit. I didn't put too much stock in it. But listen, after so many years, and I don't want to say of losing, but of not winning titles, I think, yeah, it would be natural to really start thinking about what you would want out of your career. Would you want to get that scoring record? And yeah, if you can't win titles, then of course that would be a very viable thing to get. It would be, it would, would be something you would want to chase. So I don't really have any concern at this point with that. I might have before, but I do not now. I love the mentality he's showing this is big. This is a tough move. It will not be easy. I'm sure he'll be surrounding himself with his family who now have much deeper pockets than they did before this move. And I think things are going to be great for Harry Kane. I think Bayern Munich fans are going to embrace him. And I think this is going to be a very exciting season. I don't know what else I can say about it. I'm eating that crow, Sando, like I said I would. I'm so happy to do it. This is this is a really exciting time for Bayern Munich. But what about the rest of the window? We'll talk about that in just a second. We're going to take a short break here, and then we're going to quickly touch on a couple of things about where Bayern might go with the rest of this transfer window and how this all could shake out. Hang with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging in. This is Chuck Smith with the Weekend Warm-Up Podcast. As you know, we were already talking about Harry Kane and his pending move to Bayern Munich. It looks like everything is going through. I think everyone's feeling pretty confident about that. But what else is Bayern Munich looking at? Now, in the midst of all of this Kane craziness that happened, we did see that Manchester United is getting closer to a deal with Benjamin Pavar. Now, it's all relative. Manchester United has a lot of different irons in the fire right now. They seem to like Pavar the best. He is easily the most versatile uh, player defender out there, in my mind anyway. In terms of value, versatility, and performance, I think Pavar is the best option. I think if Manchester United wants to improve their team after losing Harry Maguire, they should absolutely get Benjamin Pavar. I wish he would stay with Bayern. He has shown no inclination to want to do that. So what this leads to is what happens. Now, we all thought Kyle Walker would fill that void and that Tuchel would be able to deploy Walker at right back or even be able to use him as a center back and a back three if needed. We thought there would be some way this would all work out. Didn't work with Walker. If Pavar leaves, there is a possibility, to fight, despite the depth that Bayern has on its back line, that they would seek to add one more. Now, when you lose a versatile player like Pavar, it's very tough to replace that. But we are seeing Josip Stanisic emerge as the kind of player that could maybe fill that void. He could be a right back when needed. He could be a left back when needed. He could absolutely play center back when needed. We have seen him do it in the back three. He is not the prototypical center back. But again, neither was Lucas Hernandez, who 
did a pretty good job when he was in Germany. So I think Stanisic will be able to step it up. I don't know that Bayern necessarily needs to invest in another player. I think if Pavar leaves, you have to make the decision on Mizrawi. Is Mizrawi good enough? And if you believe that Mizrawi is, then you basically ride what you got. If you don't think Mizrawi is good enough and you have a little bit of doubt, maybe you ride it out till the winter transfer window and then make an adjustment if you need to. But I think you have him and you have Stanisic and you have the left backs that you need. I think you're good to go. You have three good starting quality center backs in Tice DeLict, Kim Min Jae, and Daya Upamakano. I think you're good there. If you want to add a depth piece there, I'm, I'm okay with it. But again, you can use Stanisic. Uh, at left back, you have Alfonso Davies and Rafael Guerrero. I think you're pretty good there. Even though Guerrero is injured right now, I think I think you're you're pretty set. And bottom line is you can also use Conrad Limer as a right back if needed as well. So I, I feel pretty good about where the back line is. If you wanted to add someone that has the skill set to play as a center back or a right back, I'd be okay with it. I don't think it's necessary, but it could happen, especially if Tugel is going to eventually toy around with the back three. I think you, you would have to, but as of now, I think you're okay there. In the midfield, we're starting to see those rumors emerge again. One very interesting one about Marco Verratti. <laughs> Who knows if that's true or not, but we're starting to see rumors again that Tuchel's going to push for six. We also saw, like I said, Byron was linked to Marco Verratti. So I, I don't know from this standpoint where things are going there. Again, I feel pretty comfortable about where Bayern Munich is at as a club with their options in the midfield. I still like Yashua Kimmich and Leon Gretzka as starters. I like Conrad Limer a lot as well. I think you've got a pretty solid three-man mix there that would allow Tuchel to play 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 without having to do much alteration. I still think Tuchel doesn't like Goretzka and that he ultimately wants to get rid of him. I don't know who you replace him with, but if that does play out with Tuchel and Goretzka and Goretzka does have to go, then I think you absolutely have to add someone else. But as of right now, if Goretzka is staying, you've got enough depth that you don't need anyone because you have Kimmich, Goretzka, Limer, you have Ryan Gravenberg, who also apparently wants to leave, but we haven't heard anything concrete about plans for that yet. And you also have Guerrero who can play in the midfield as well. You have other players that could slide in and play. You could drop Musiala back, which would, of course, enable Thomas Muller to get on the field more. I like the versatility that Byron has on this roster. I like how so many players can be moved in and out of different positions and they really don't lose how they play with one another. I don't think Bayern Munich needs to do much. I think that they're in a really good spot with their roster. Now, is there anything I would do? Hmm. That's a good question. I would seriously think about Juventus winger Federico Chiesa. And you might say, well, why? You just talked about how you have three Good wings, and you have Musiala and Tell that could really also play there. That's great depth. Agreed. 100%. Totally agree with it. I don't think you need to add anything. I would only entertain Chiesa under one circumstance. If you feel like you can get him for a value buy, if you feel like he's going to be able to come back and reach that level that he was playing at before his major knee injury, right now he's in a state where he's not back at 100% yet. And Knowing how things go with regards to health and fitness and Syria, I don't expect that to ever happen if he remains there. So I would, if I was Bayern Munich, I would kick the tires to see what you can do with Kiesa. Now, 
One thing I would think about as well is I'm not sure long-term what happens with those three wings that Bayern Munich has. We've seen some discussion already that Leroy Sané would really like to explore a move next summer. That would cause me a little bit of concern. Kingsley Coman is turning down huge offers from the Saudis, so I don't think you have to worry about him. Serge Gnabry always seems to be touch and go. I personally like him as a player. Big segment of the fan base does not. So I don't know if he's got ambitions to go back to England or if he wants to move somewhere else, maybe Spain. But for now, it looks like Gnabry is pretty much settled in as well. So the one thing I definitely would worry about is Leroy Sané and his long-term plans, whether he wants to be at Bayern Munich or not. So knowing that, knowing that there's a little bit of doubt and, and probably being unsure about Matisse Tell and how he'll adapt to a role as a wing, I would go out and I would look at Chiesa. And if I could get him for an affordable price, I would absolutely take it. And I wouldn't even necessarily need to play him. I would take it slow. I would work and let him get back to where he needs to be. I think he rushed his way back from his knee injury. I think he really struggled last year to get his fitness down, to get back to 100% health. And I think he scuffled and probably battled injuries. He battled some funks, of course. He was slumping. A lot played into that, but I think that he, if available, could be the kind of player that Bayern Munich should pursue because it might not be a move for this particular season, but if things go down with LeBroy Sané and you don't quite see the growth in Matisse Tell that, that many people think that he will do over the course of this year, it would be a really viable option to have a, a winger trio of Coman, Gnabry, and, and Chiesa. I think that would be uh, pretty damn good for the 2024-2025 season if things get to that point, but I think that if you're a Bayern Munich fan, you have to look at the, the grand scale of all this. In the end, getting Harry Kane, looking at some of those other areas of the roster, there's only one other piece to this puzzle that right now is missing, and that's goalkeeper. And again, there's a lot of activity there, so much so that I don't even want to sit here and list the half dozen or so names because there are so many. If you had to really look at the situation it's very disconcerting how this has played out with Manuel Neuer. You know, we talked a lot about this last week, and I think that Byron misplayed this. I think Neuer has misplayed this. This has not been a situation where the club and the player have done anyone any favors. Everyone is working against each other at this point because Byron let Alexander Nubel go away on a loan to VFB Stuttgart. They let Johannes Schenk go. Those are two goalkeepers that are young and possibly could have done some spot duty this year. I mean, Nubel could have filled in. He could have been that player and he might have considered it. I mean, I know he's got a massive feud with Neuer right now, and it's probably a one-sided feud, but either way, Nubel really doesn't want to be at the club when Neuer is there. But it would have given him the availability to showcase himself and make himself more attractive in the transfer market playing for Bayern Munich than playing for Stuttgart. The really puzzling part of all this is that Jan Sommer officially went to Inter Milan this week. When it really became apparent that Neuer was, was going to be delayed in coming back. And I didn't understand how any of this played out the way it did. Now, it can't be that Neuer, it just emerged in the last couple of weeks here that Neuer was suffering so bad that he wasn't going to be able to come back for maybe up to 12 weeks. I mean, we were always told he would be ready for the start of this season. 
Now we know that there was a delay. There was a surgery that wasn't announced. And we're back to the spot where Bayern Munich doesn't really have a starting goalkeeper. They have Sven Ulreich, who, listen, I'm a I'm a fan. I like when Sven Ulreich plays. I like the way he plays. I like how he fits into the team. I don't think that at this stage of his career, he's quite what Bayern Munich needs, but he's the best that they have right now. So I think that, you know, people can talk about wanting a six. They can talk about adding a winger or a defender, but in the end, if Bayern Munich wants to get the most out of this roster, they need to find someone to kind of manage this first half of the season. And, and it could be longer. We don't know because we don't know if Neuer's ever going to come back 100%. Now, it's much bigger than just having this situation or injury, whatever he's dealing with, the longer rehab. It's much deeper than that because even after this, you don't know if Neuer's going to come back as the old Neuer. He might come back as a, listen, I'm a broken down old man, so I can say this. He might come back as a broken down old man. And if he does, what do you do then? Do you try and convince Alexander Nubel that all the perceived bad treatment he received should go out the window and that he should be Bayern Munich's goalkeeper of the future? Do you go out and do you try and find someone within the Bundesliga like a Gregor Kobel at Borussia Dortmund who has been linked to Bayern Munich many times? Do you try and convince him at midseason or after the season to come and make the move to Bayern Munich? I'm not sure, but I think that instead of looking at some of those other positions we talked about previously, Bayern Munich's sole focus after getting Harry Kane is going to be on finding a goalkeeper of the future, but they're in a tough spot because they're going to have to find someone who will be willing to hand the keys to the car back over to Manuel Neuer when he says he's ready. And I know a lot of fans right now feel like Neuer's getting way too much power in this situation, but I don't know what else you do. I don't know what you do with Neuer. I don't know if you can just make a clean break at this point. It's a lot. He's the captain of the team. He is a, a player who, if he comes back to full health, he is absolutely a difference maker. And it, it allows the team to play much more confident and much more different when he's in net. There aren't any other goalkeepers like him. No one can play like him. So it does give Bayern Munich that advantage. But if he doesn't come back at 100%, if you can't go out and find someone to fill in that will happily let Neuer take the role back once he's healthy, I don't know what you do other than Robert Sven Ulreich. So I'm expecting Byron to bring in another keeper because they just, they need one at this point. I mean, you can't just have Sven Ulreich by himself and, 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 and a youth goalkeeper behind him. You need someone. I just don't know who you're going to get and how much you're going to have to pay. And that's where I think this will all get interesting. And from here, I guess that's going to wrap things up. Thanks for hanging in. This was a wild day. Uh, wild ride, of course, for Harry Kane. So keep checking BavarianFootballWorks.com. We are going to continue to cover this saga. Listen, we're with you. We want it to be over too because we want to get back to writing about other stuff. But when we're in these situations, we want to try and keep you up to date the best we can. So we uh, we hop on with you. We take that roller coaster ride together. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes we all leave with a headache. And I think after all of this, uh, that's where we're all at. We all have a headache. So uh, as always, you can get me at the barrel blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB works. 
You can get our tweetmeister, Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71. You can get I need no name at BFWINNN. You can all of, get all of our great writers, all of our wonderful podcasters at BavarianFootballWorks.com. If you're looking for me, I'll be slamming down that crow sando right about now and having a couple of beers. I hope you do this weekend as well. Enjoy the DFL Super Cup. Bayern Munich had better win that one. No reason to start this campaign out with a loss. So uh, I'm going to predict a nice 3-0 victory for Bayern Munich in that, even without Harry Kane. So uh, enjoy the the official kickoff of what I would say the German football season this weekend. And then hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, wrap a little bit about that game next week. And of course, about Harry Kane and how things are going with him wearing Bayern red. So have a great weekend. Have a couple of beers on me and we will see you next time.